Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I've got a quiz question for you. Okay. Are you more likely to stay up into the middle of the night to watch the Grammys or the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, the honest answer is neither, but more likely. Neither? Oh, that's a surprise, actually. Well, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. And then as much as I like music, do you not think awards ceremonies go on a lot and it's best just to watch the highlights on social media the next day? Well, it is true that you refused to come to the awards ceremony where we were nominated for podcast of the year in the early days uh, because you refused to go on the grounds that we might not win. And indeed, we didn't win. Did I know that we didn't win before I went? The, the trick is you say, oh, I'm, I don't think I'm around that night. And then if you've, <laughs> if you've won, then they will really try and say, oh, I think it'd be best if you were there. And they might even say, look, we shouldn't say, but you've won. Yeah. Whereas if you say... Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And they don't put up any kind of fight or make a fuss thing. You know you haven't won. I prefer to remember what awards ceremony. I don't think I've been to many awards ceremonies. I once won some kind of, I think it was Spectator Award when I was leader. And I did a video for them. And basically, you remember the Daily Sport? Yes. It was after the Daily Mail business about my dad. They had a whole article about how Ralph Miliband killed my cat. Uh I mean, it was obviously satirical, and I remember reading it out. Uh, it was quite a funny article, actually. And what was the award? I don't know, speech, something, something, you know. Anyway, anyway, so but so I didn't stay out for the Grammys either, and I'm probably not going to stay out for the Super Bowl. However, both of us have been blown away by Tracy Chapman and Justin Coombs. Yes. So you've been sending me Tracy Chapman videos all week. Why do you think you, Ed, have responded to it in the in the way that you have? That's a really good question. Well, it's like a lot of sort of pop phenomena is that I feel like I missed out on them the first time round, even though it was supposed to be in my era. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I obviously know about Tracy Chapman, and I think I know about talking about Revolution more than I do about Fast Car. Mm. But there was something about the performance which was pretty incredible. I also think... 
you know, it's a, maybe it's a sort of age thing, but although I think I was like this when I was a kid, I quite like older people doing well. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's something quite nice about, well, maybe I'm just a sucker for these things. I don't know. Why did you respond well to it? I, I think part of it is, is um, so it's nostalgia, ah, ah. but it's not just nostalgia. I think the fact that we haven't seen very much of her, I mean, I think she's consistently made music. Um, no, but she's been incredibly reclusive. She has been reclusive. I don't think she has consistently made music, has she? I think she has, but but you don't see much of her, I think, I think yeah. is the point. And then... You know, that that song is incredibly fondly remembered and she comes out and she looks fantastic and she sounds fantastic because it's often the case, if you haven't seen much of somebody for a couple of decades, you you can't help but notice how time has taken its toll. Oh, well, thank you very much. (laughs) The years have performed their (laughs) terrible dance. Um, And there's a way in which she carries herself, which I think has a lot of dignity or something that people are responding to. Does that make sense? And then that song particularly, there's something about, I don't know, not just wanting to break out of poverty, but two people against the world, you and me versus the world, and things are hard now, but better times are coming. And then there's this political element to it as well, which is, you know, America feels so divided and she's performing it with a country star and country music isn't always or historically isn't the most inclusive you know it's historically very white and you've got this coming together at a time when america feels very very divided so i think it's some kind of combination of all those things isn't it yes but then also you know maybe this is the modern era but you just can disappear down the rabbit hole because then you discover then i discovered that when she played in 1988, when it became a hit, it was all slightly accidental. It was at Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday concert at Wembley, and Stevie Wonder had some problem with the sound system or something. And so she had, she I think she'd done an earlier set which hadn't been televised, but then she went on and played Fast Car. And actually, when you watch it, which I have now a number of times, and also I've sort of been watching this on a loop, um, the, 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 the audience seemed quite distracted. And then she plays, and the audience shuts up completely, and and is transfixed. Yeah, she just sort of comes on, and the audience is chanting about something nothing to do with Tracy Chapman, I don't think. And then there's just a little pin drop silence. I mean, have you rewatched it? I haven't rewatched that. I remember it at the time. I remember it being this this significant moment. But no, I haven't. What were you doing at the time? Like watching it on telly, I would have been a teenager, you know. Right. And, um, I remember that concert. I was also a teenager and I wasn't watching it on telly. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think it's because we just get sort of swept up in it because it's the Grammys and everybody's talking about it? And I've mentioned yeah. it to a couple of people, both of whom had seen it. Not not particularly big music fans. And was it the same reaction? Yes. Well, just about how amazing her voice was. Yeah, it was crystal clear. I also think because the way we watch TV is so fragmented these days. So when when we were growing up, if somebody... So, so a, a performance on Top of the Pops could be a real moment that lots and lots of people saw. And that tends not to happen very much anymore. And these events like the Grammys, where there's lots of eyes on it, are, are, are increasingly rare. Although it wasn't really the original eyes on it, was it? Wasn't it just the sort of post-match clip? The social media thing, yeah, the next day, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I, I take the point. I definitely take the point. Yeah. And that was what's very striking about the 1988 concert, is it was because of what happened with Stevie Wonder not doing his set, or at least not he did it later, I think, that led to her 
Stevie Wonder um, seems like a bit of a live wire. He does the same about you. <laughs> so um, there's a documentary on Netflix called The Greatest Night in Pop, I think it's called. It's about the recording of, do you remember We Are the World, the American yes. equivalent of Band-Aid? It's, it's yes. about that. And um, Stevie Wonder was a big part of it, but you get the impression that he turns up when he wants to turn up and sometimes you can be trying to get in touch with him and he might be missing for days on end. Like me, basically. Yeah. That's... <laughs> now, have you watched Shrinking yet? Not yet. No. Sorry. Are, so, you, are you on uh, your four three watch? We got to the end. I got to the end of the, the second full rewatch with Justine, and she liked it as much as I did. So, I've got interesting news though, which is Curb Your Enthusiasm is back, mm-hmm. and I got my kids to watch it last night, and they what? really liked it. Did they? Yeah. So you showed them the first episode of the new series. I did. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah, I didn't actually think it was the funniest, but I thought it, they they really liked it. Oh, I thought there's some great moments in it. And it's the final series. And to be that good after 20 years, almost no comedy. You're hoping we're going to be that good after 20 years, are you? (laughs) Oh, I very very much doubt it. I interviewed um, the the showrunner, the executive producer of Curb Your Enthusiasm the other day. Is that for another podcast? It is for another podcast. He's called um, Jeff Schaefer. And you'll like this because behind him, we were on a Zoom call like this, behind him on the wall was a sign from Larry's Latte, you know, the Spite store, the coffee shop that Larry opened. So it was, uh, do you remember the no defecating sign that he put up in the toilets? I think I sort of lost it slightly in Series 11, actually. Oh, well, that was up on the wall, so that was very uh, very exciting. But um, he talked extensively about the show, and as a fan of it, it was so interesting. He he talked about what it's like pitching an idea to Larry David. Hard. Apparently not. Apparently he's um, he's very receptive, which was surprising. which cast member is most likely to ruin a scene by laughing? Larry David. Yeah, he's apparently cracking up all the time and just got into how they write it because you know there's no script. Like us. Yeah, they write a very detailed outline of every scene and then the actors improvise it. And he, he talked about the process of doing that. He was, he was great. There you go. Now, we've had some emails. Chat at cheerfulpodcast.com. And this comes from Darren Morn, Aggressive Birds. This is following your experience in the ponds with the ducks yes. last week. Well, I was in the ponds today, and I was actually, I, I had a sort of pre-warning of an aggressive duck, but it, it, it didn't materialise. What, somebody said to you, look out, there's an aggressive... No, no, I just thought it looked like he was gearing up to be pretty... They seemed to be having a soft fight with each other, and I thought, I might get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I didn't. Uh, hello, Ed and Jeff, I hope you're well. I listened to your recent podcast, The Experience of the Aggressive Birds Brought Back Memories, Geese. Yes, I recall crying after being chased by one in Albert Park, Middlesbrough in the late 70s. My mother was rather dismissive, telling me to hurry up and not be upset. There it was, chasing me down the path, honking violently at me. My mam father ahead, rolling her eyes as I was crying. It was with smug satisfaction years later to find my mother running in her own breathless after walking her dog. Apparently she'd be attacked by a crow, <laughs> diving towards and cawing at her and the dog. Thankfully the bird didn't attack physically attack either. I waited over 30 years for her to get a taste of her own medicine. Now she knew how I felt at six years old. <laughs> what, what would you fear the most, a duck or a crow? Well, there's something about being in the water which makes you feel a little bit more vulnerable. I don't know. There's there's more of you, ex- when you're not in the water, more of you is exposed and therefore peckable. I still feel like you could take cover against the crow, but if you're in the water, you're sort of, it's not a natural kind of habitat, is it? No. Were you freaked out by Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds? I don't think I ever properly watched it, actually. Someone who works with me uh, in 2050, she, she had a big fear of hens, and I got 
surrounded by a hen party in 2015 on a, on my bus. And someone rang her and said, Ed's been surrounded by a group of hens. And she thought it was this group of hens. <laughs> so she got very, very kind of anxious <laughs> on my behalf and on her behalf. And we had to explain, no, it wasn't. It was a hen party rather than a, a group of, sort of hens that were sort of wandering around the country. Um, and then there was this email from um, Anna Masters who says, small acts of kindness, dear Ed and Jeff. I listened with interest as you talked about small acts of kindness a few weeks ago, and I wondered if you might have some interest in a project that I developed around gift giving in the community. I'm a visual artist, and during the COVID-19 pandemic, I created a sculpture as a monument to the great kindness and solidarity shown by communities throughout the time. The sculpture is a life-size pair of cupped hands upon which people are encouraged to place and receive gifts. It was originally designed as a temporary installation in Oldgate, but it's had such a positive response that it remained for a number of years. People shared coins, tea bags, plasters, paintings, books and handwritten notes. My dream is to share the project to communities across the country so that in every town and city there's a platform for people to share kind gestures. And she also so sends a, a link to it as well. Which we'll So do people notes. put... So do people put the things in the in the hands? Then? Yeah. So if you ever look, there's a photo of it there, and it's. it's I'm it's, just it's going into it, and you can place whatever you like in it. It's a lovely idea. So this is sort of like our book idea, isn't it? Not our idea, but someone else's. Have you done the book? No, not yet. I'm having issues with my printer. That's really a lame excuse. Have you done yours have, yet? I'm having issues with my printer. Um, <laughs> Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, we're not recording at the normal time because I went um, with Justine and the kids to the Rail Mail Museum. Was it Mail Rail? Is it just called the Postal Museum? Yeah, it's a postal museum, but it's got Mail Rail or Rail Mail. So what brought this on? Half term, doing something nice. It was fun. 
Do you, do you want to explain it to people? Yeah, so um, it, it does what it says on the tin in that it's a postal museum, but they've also got this um, section of the railway that I think is I think it's still in use, but not so much anymore. But it used to be uh, the thing to transport mail underneath London, so almost like the London Underground, but a secret one just for letters and parcels to be going on, and you you get to ride on one of the little mail trains, which I loved, but you told me that it was uh, it was harder for you as a tall man. It was fine. It was fine, but it was it was it was cozy. But honestly, it was it was it's quite a sort of extraordinary world, actually. The world of the post. Well, the world of the underground tunnels, mm. and I I was quite intrigued because at the end of the exhibition. It said that people were still speculating about what to do with the tunnels. Should they become a bicycle lane, an underground bicycle tunnel under London, or a mushroom farm? <laughs> there were the two examples. Oh, mushroom farm sounds good. But the thing I was quite sort of wondering about, and it wasn't actually in the museum, but I think I've sort of since looked it up, how often was the post delivered in those days? Because my dad used to tell me that Marx and Engels used to live on the up- opposite sides of Primrose Hill and used to have deliver- write to each other four times a day. Now, that was probably over- overdone. But So I looked this up, and it seemed like there were about four deliveries a day. Seriously? Yeah, four, de- four postal deliveries a day. Are you surprised about that? Four seems like a lot, yeah. Well, it didn't... I kept... what I thought maybe they didn't want to put it in the exhibition because it might kind of cast as purchase on Royal Mail. <laughs> uh, 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 but I, I sort of looked it up. I kept thinking they're going to tell us this. And well, there's no other way of communicating, presumably. By the late 19th century, there were between 6 and 12 mail deliveries per day in London, permitting correspondents to engage multiple letters within a day, a single wow. day. I mean, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So when, when did telegrams come into it? Oh, well, Lummy, I don't know. Did you say, oh, Lummy? Yes. Do you think anyone else has said that in the last hundred years? So this comes from Wikipedia, but from Murray's Handbook to London as it is, is the footnote. By the late 19th century, there were between six and 12 mail deliveries per day in London, permitted correspondence to exchange multiple letters within a single day. So my dad wasn't making it up. That's incredible. So you'd, you'd go Okay, to- listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Regulations of the two-penny post office. The principal post office is the general post office, St. Martin's Le Grand. There are, besides, bloody, bloody, blah... The hours by which letters should be put into the receiving houses in town for each delivery as follows. For delivery in town, overnight by 8 o'clock for the first delivery, morning by 8 o'clock for the second delivery, morning by 10 o'clock for the third delivery, morning by 12 o'clock for the fourth delivery, afternoon by 2 o'clock for the fifth delivery, afternoon by 4 o'clock for the sixth delivery, afternoon by 6 o'clock for the seventh delivery, for delivery in the country. I mean, it's pretty amazing. That's come from Mogg's new picture of London and Visitor's Guide to its site, 1844. So you could post something late in the afternoon and the person would still get it the same day? Well, presumably. I, I've got this funny feeling that when I was growing up, there was a morning delivery and afternoon delivery, but have, I, have they got that wrong? No, I, th- I think, that, I think that, that, sounds, that sounds right. There was definitely first and second post, wasn't there? First and second post, that's right. Yeah. But I have to say, if Marx and Engels just lived on the other side of Primrose Hill from each other... Why didn't they just walk across and meet each other? Yeah. That's a fair enough point. Would you have been a sort of prolific letter writer? I like writing letters longhand, but I think um, it'd get a bit much if they were being delivered that, that many times a day. Imagine sending someone a letter and you think, well, let's put that to put that to bed, and then you get a reply the same day. 
Also, my handwriting's not good enough. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. You look like somebody who's who's had to learn to write with their non-dominant hand. The I don't think that's even true. I haven't even got that excuse. The um, the you know when people want to be nice about it, they say, "Oh, you could be a doctor." And when they want to be not nice about it, they say, "I can't read a word you're saying." Uh, did there used to be two post deliveries a day? Maybe our listeners can know this, but I mean, it's not surprising, is it? Really. I mean, email, you don't need to... I wonder if it'd be better if your email came in waves. You know, like the post would come, there'd be the first post, and then the second post. Honestly, honestly, mate, get with the times. Schedule send. I'm a schedule sender, yeah. And are you doing that so that people don't yes. feel under pressure yes. to answer out of hours? I try not to do it with my with my office. I, if I had something that I know can wait till Monday, but I'm worried I'm going to forget it, I do schedule send. I do it sometimes, but I, I do it so that I don't look insane sending email at four in the morning. Well, you wake up and then write something, don't write it down. Yeah, or I'm up and, you know, spiralling in the middle of the night. Do you think it helps to write things down to go back to sleep if you're worried about something? I think it does. I've come oh. to this conclusion. Yeah? So you just sleep with a notepad by the side of the bed? Well, it tends to be the iPad. Yes, but then I worry that the it light... It sort of gets it out of your brain. But then doesn't the light from the phone do something bad and stop you from going back to sleep again? Do we believe this, though? Does the light from the thing affect you? I don't... But I whenever, don't whenever, my... whenever you read anything from a sleep expert, they talk about the specific I know, type I know, of light that comes from a screen not know, being conducive to sleep and melatonin. I know. Before we finish... Uh, um, yes. Before we finish, I've got a little quiz for you. Go on. Obviously, this week, there's been a lot of discussion about Biden's age versus Trump's age. Sure. And I was thinking about how here in the UK, I, d- I don't think we really talk about age in politics so much. Yeah. But I've got you, a, I've done you an older or younger quiz about British prime ministers. Okay, go. So um, we'll start with your old boss, Gordon Brown, who became prime minister at 56. But was, yes. But was Ted Heath younger or older? What Younger or older when he became prime minister? Yes. I'm playing the time here. Um, so he became prime minister in 1970. Uh, he would have been older, younger, fifty-three. Mm. Okay, but was Jim, gentleman Jim Callahan, older or younger than older. fifty-three? Yeah, he was sixty-four. Uh, yeah, Churchill, older or younger? Uh, younger, older, sixty-five. Yeah. Lloyd okay. George, older or younger what? than sixty-five? Oh younger. Yeah, fifty-three. Yep, Thatcher. Older or younger than 53? Oh, in 1979. Uh, hang on. Older. She was slightly younger. She was also 53, but not, not uh, quite as far into it as Okay, Lord that's George. a trick question. Yeah. Boris Johnson, older or younger than 53? When, what? When he became Prime Minister? Yeah. Older. Yeah, 55. Harold Wilson? Oof. De- older. Younger, 48. Oh, Oh, 64, 64, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. John Major. John Major was older than 48. He was 47. Oh, John Major was younger than 48. And uh, we'll finish with Liz Truss. Well, she is a... Older. She was slightly younger, so also 47, but again, not as far into it. Good quiz, Jack. Yeah. That, wow. But I'm sort of... Um... I don't think I've actually yet been called a veteran, but I'm probably heading in that direction. I'll tell you what word you don't want to hear. Stalwart. Silverback. Mm, Stalwart, I think, is worse. Oh, what about grandee? Are you a grandee yet? 
Phrases I don't like. Big beast. Don't like that phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, grandee, not so keen. Stalwart or stale fart, not good. Uh, um, uh, veteran, not, not, not good. There's no positive association with any of these words, is there? Experienced. There you go. Right, I feel like our time is up, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Now, should we, what do we want people to email about, though? Oh, if, if, so these last couple of weeks I've been making quizzes... Uh, if anybody wants to make a quiz for us, I'd, that, that'd be a, that'd be a nice thing to receive, wouldn't it? Can I flag up some things we're going to do? We're going to have Lauren Child. Yes. We are going to have uh, Will Hutton, oh, who's got we? a new book coming out. Uh-huh. The book is called This Time No Mistakes, colon, How to Remake Britain. Sounds ambitious. And then we're hoping to have Annette Schenker Osario on. I also noticed your friend Torsten Bell has a book coming out. Oh, we should definitely have Torsten Bell he's a very very smart cookie he is um, and if you're there's a smart anybody else too. that you do well yes if, if there's anyone a... else you think is within our league yes we'd love Obama but you know any of them Tracy Chapman have you ever interviewed Tracy Chapman no no I haven't actually Tracy Ullman have you interviewed her no but I met Tracy Ullman at a party a Eurovision party and she smelled my son's head when he was a baby. So, and she is very big in Larry David. She's brilliant, isn't she? She's very funny, isn't in it? Curb. As Irma. What should I watch next after Shrieking? Well, I think you should watch this We Are The World documentary. I think you'll really like it. It's really light and fun. But what's about a series? We started to watch Mr and Mrs Smith. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's, that's very watchable. What did you think of it? We only got 20 minutes in. Why did it get turned off? Too late at night. Oh, right. <laughs> like 10 o'clock. I wonder, I'm, I'm watching, do you remember that book, One Day? Oh, Justine loves that new series. Yeah, I'm wondering if you might you might like that. Well, that sort of makes you feel a bit melancholic about you, you Snow. Yeah, but then everything does if you think about it too much. It does. Okay. All right, then you. Bye-bye, you. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> 